Welcome to the first episode of season two of the Canadian Side Hustle and Business Podcast. I'm your host, Irene Roussel. Last year was an incredible year. 2020 was the year where our world screamed to a halt and where epic pivots became the norm for every single one of us. This year, 2021, we are taking on the world with poise. With the onset of vaccines for COVID-19, we're hopeful that by the end of the year, our new supernormal will improve drastically. In this new season, we're going to dive into the nuts and bolts of business. With today's guests, we'll take a deep dive into the importance of having a minimal viable product when approaching buyers, monitoring cash flows, utilizing analytics in your sales and marketing efforts, delegating and equipping your sales team in this new digital realm. Listeners, my guest is Chris O'Shea, who is a senior advisor at BDC based in Nova Scotia. Chris also has a side hustle with his wife, given his love for diverse wine. They operate on Fussy Wine together as a passion project for tasting and talking about wine on a budget on both their blogs and social media channels. Chris's big advice in this episode for you, the aspiring entrepreneur or the established entrepreneur in these times, the key is to remain curious in everything. Be agile and have a plan to pivot your business into the new digital realm. Embrace data analytics as this is key to measuring your sales and marketing efforts and ultimately your bottom line. There are a lot of golden nuggets, a lot of places in this episode to bookmark. You are listening to the Canadian Side Hustle and Business Podcast. I'm your host, Irene Roussel. Welcome, listeners. Pull up, grab a beverage of your choice, or if you're exercising, that's good too, or taking a great walk in the outdoors, love it. Let's chill together as we take you on an inspirational journey into the nuts and bolts of entrepreneurship. If you're tuning in for the first time, hit that subscribe button on Apple or Google Podcasts. And for my avid fans, welcome back. Let's do this. So with me, is Mr. Chris O'Shea, and he is all the way in Nova Scotia. Welcome, Chris. Very nice to be here, Irene. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I am so excited to have you here, and I know that we've been trying to connect for so long to get you on <laughs> this podcast, and I appreciate your patience. This is, this is how we have to live now. It's 2021, you know, 2020 is behind us. You know, let's, uh, let's keep going here. Yeah. So let's give our listeners a little bit of background about you and your journey and how you got started in the business development space. Yeah. Well, it's a really, it's a long story, but uh, let's, let's dig into it. So uh, I'm a senior business advisor with, uh, with the BDC, the Business Development Bank of Canada, based here in, in Halifax, as you mentioned. Uh, I've been with the BDC for just over eight years now, helping entrepreneurs from coast to coast with, uh, you know, what I like to call their growth journeys. And that's really just trying to figure out, you know, how to help them expand whatever, you know, whatever success kind of means to them. So that's a part of being in the advisory services space uh, that, that we live in. And that's what I do with, with BDC. Uh, <laughs> as far as my journey, that's, that's a bit more of a longer story. Uh, and I have a varied background. Um, I guess my entrepreneurship journey would have started when I was, you know, a, a, you know, a, a paper boy way back in the, <laughs> in the 80s. 
yeah. um, you know, managing my own, you know, paper route and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and unfortunately, that didn't stick with me. So I didn't spend uh, a ton of time being an entrepreneur, although, you know, I've dabbled. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I graduated from uh, university in 95 with a business degree. And then I started my career uh, in sales in business development and sales in the late 90s. And uh, I eventually found myself going back to school in, in 1999 for more, let's call it technical training. And it was the dot com boom. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I sort of, you know, fully dug into that, that area of, of tech at the time. And that actually led me to, to move to the United States for six years to work in the tech space. Um, and so after six years, it was time to, to make another decision as to what to do. So we actually, my, my wife and I came back and we, we moved back to Nova Scotia. And so stayed in tech here in, in, in Nova Scotia for a little bit. And then I eventually moved into digital marketing and that led me to my, my current journey with, with BDC, which is, you know, helping, helping the entrepreneurs with their growth challenges. So I, I really have, have, <laughs> when I say a varied background, it's, it's quite varied for sure. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of. How, how I've come to sit in front of you virtually today. That's awesome. That's so fantastic. And, you know, I love how we connected on LinkedIn, which was, you know, serendipitous. Yeah. And, um, it's so awesome that you're working with entrepreneurs, advising entrepreneurs, because we all know that, you know, they need that connector um, network, you know, to get access, whether it be, you know, to funding, other contacts, and yep. uh, expert advice. So, you know, we appreciate you and what you're doing in Nova Scotia. Well, it's, it's, it's been quite the, uh, I mean, I will say of all of the roles that I've had in my career, this is by far head and shoulders above everything else in terms of rewarding and and you know feeling like i'm making a difference uh that that has been you know the hallmark of you know and, and everybody i will say that everybody that works for bdc um if you're not bought into the into the mindset and the you know the, the purpose uh you're probably in the wrong seat uh, to be quite honest all right so 2020 was a super big year for oh all of us con collectively <laughs> yeah. we were hit by the pandemic covid 19 and a lot of entrepreneurs had to pivot and even business development advisors right mm -hmm. very much so what has 2020 taught you when you're approaching your clients today Oh, that's a super good question. And, and uh, oh, my goodness, the amount of change that we've seen uh, mm -hmm. in the last, you know, 10 to 10 to 12 months, it's just been absolutely astounding. And, uh, you know, so much so with BDC, and as, as you can imagine, as you know, our, 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 our finance colleagues um, in the bank, you know, once once the middle of March hit, uh, the tsunami of, of, of requests and, and loan applications and you know, all the things that came along with, you know, the, the challenges that entrepreneurs were facing across the country, it all it all hit within a, a six to eight week time span. So I am fully a, a sales and marketing digital person. And even, even I was asked to sort of step into the finance fray just to, just to keep our heads above water in terms of trying to keep, you know, um, working capital and cash flowing into our entrepreneurs' accounts. Mm -hmm. um, so, the, the, you know, I don't know if it was wise or not, but they made the decision to put me in the, in the finance seat. And so, you know, everybody um, between, you know, I, I, I did that role from April to basically the end of June. Uh, to really help with, you know, the applications that were just coming in staggering numbers uh, to try to keep, you know, lights on and doors open for businesses of every type, size, shape uh, in the country. And so, you know, all of us as business advisors, we, you know, we, we've been trying to just, you know, do what we can in that environment as, as much as possible. So much so that BDC Advisory, you know, we pivoted a little bit ourselves to start saying, okay, how can we how can we add the most value in the shortest amount of time? And so we came up with some, you know, some, you know, no cost programs to get us in front of entrepreneurs to help them just have a sounding board, uh, whatever, whatever they needed, you know, to try not to put too many rules in place. We just wanted to get that advice, that help in the market as quickly as we can. And that, and that frankly, that continues today. Um, you know, and some of the businesses that we talked to, they have weathered this storm very well. You wouldn't even know there was a pandemic. 
And then for others, they've fallen off an absolute cliff. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and it's affected every angle, every aspect of the economy. Um, I mean, you hear it on the news all the time in terms of business closures, you know, hospitality, food service, tourism. Um, and, and really all we've been trying to do is, is, is throw whatever information helps support into the, into the market space that we could. And for me personally, in terms of, you know, how I am approaching this is with absolute uh, humility and empathy, um, because, you know, you, we talk about the mental health issues that are coming out of this in terms of entrepreneurs trying to keep, you know, employees yeah. paid um like this it's a real thing and you know i've been on you know calls with clients and you know they just wanted to to let it all out frankly yeah. and and you know i'm i'm a, i'm a quiet voice that will just listen and and whether it's tears or rage or whatever you know like it's it's just about helping them get through whatever this is to them and try to figure out what the next the next stage of this is going to be so you know in terms of a, a learning a learning for me has been just just to be quiet when it's yeah. time to be quiet. Yeah. Um, and and that empathy, I think, is something that I will take with me forever because it is such, you know, I have nothing but utter respect for anybody that steps into the entrepreneurial world because it is not for the faint of heart in any way. And, you know, the more we can support them, the better we can get at this. You know, everybody wins, to be quite honest. It's 95% of, 95 plus percent of our economy. So, yes. you know, like it's very important that we think, how can we help um, entrepreneurs get where they need to go? I love that. I love that approach. And, um, you know, I mean, pivoting was the optimum of everything for mm -hmm. everyone because, you know, the pandemic hit us suddenly. It wasn't something yeah. that we expected. It just appeared on our doorstep. Yeah. So, so that's really cool. I love that you touched on, you know, leading with empathy and, you know, providing a space where entrepreneurs can talk about the various things, not only the business side of things, but also the mental health side of things as well. And um, it's good to have that openness. And I found what the pandemic has done is really led us into the houses of different individuals, you know, taking mm -hmm. down that mask, the posture, you know, of having it yep. all together. And really, I think that has built a deeper connection on many levels. Mm -hmm. And um, with that new paradigm, it just makes it makes the business aspect of it a little bit more human right yep yep very much so and i i'm, I'm really uh, trying to dig into that a lot more now and in, in, in terms of you know that resiliency that a lot of entrepreneurs bring bring to the table just because that's what they do is is such a strength like it is mm -hmm. such a it's such a it's a character a characteristic that i find very um admirable in the sense of, you know, you've heard many stories of how these, the, the pivot model is, is unbelievably powerful in the sense of, you know, you woke up on, you know, March the 15th and what you were doing as a business yesterday, you're not doing today. And like the, the implications and the, um, the mindset that you have to bring to that is completely admirable. Like that is, you know, the, the never quit, never give up. What do we have to do now? Let's go. Like that is a, a quality that will serve, you know, many, many of these entrepreneurs well beyond 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I believe in 2020, not only, you know, was existing business pivoting, but also there were many new startups that came on especially oh, yeah. in the digital space. Mm hmm driven by the digital space, which is, yeah. which is amazing. I, I'm working with a, uh, <clears throat> right now I'm, I'm working with a, a, a small business. So, well, they're, they're not small anymore because of the pandemic, but they, they entered into the skip the dishes, Uber eats, you know, food delivery uh, world. And, yeah. and, and they, they had, you know, you know, seen uh, like an uptick of, you know, 2000% growth in, April and May, like, <laughs> like, like unbelievable. And, yeah. you know, they're very niche and they, you know, they're in the GTA and, 
but at, at the end of the day, like that is the stuff that there will be much more of that to come. So we are just seeing the, 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 the gleans of this starting in the economy because there's going to be a lot more of these startups that are, are going to be really driven by what's happened in the last 10 months. Yeah. So when you're working with startups who've approached you for the first time, mm-hmm. what do you look for in your clients? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the startup space is a very interesting space. And typically, I, I'm dealing, I guess, if I could put it anyway, I'm dealing more with the, um, a, a bit more of a maturity uh, in, in some of these companies. But I think if I could characterize, you know, the startup space in, in general is, you know, a lot of, you know, and I won't speak for my finance colleagues at BDC, because they are <laughs> they're the experts at, you know, managing you know how these these startups uh, you know get funding and get you know capital into their businesses but w- what I, I i certainly like to see you know um, some level of business development planning you know how do we get customers so it's great to build the best mousetrap it's great to build something new and exciting and, and uh, interesting into the tech space or you know the market in general mm-hmm. but at the end of the day how is that going to sell and that's where I get more involved and more interested. So I want to know, you know, have we built something that the, that the economy actually wants? Is this something that somebody will buy, whether that's a service or a product or whatever? And, and that becomes a much more practical way of looking at what they're doing, what they're building, and, and trying to help them understand, you know, what is, that, what is that customer at the other end of this going to look like? And how are we going to get in front of them at scale as you look to go from, zero dollars to a million to 10 million to 100 million dollars in sales like how does that how does that play out and a lot of these entrepreneurs are technicians frankly they've built something and they 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 understand the tech they understand the, the 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 science they understand whatever they're building but they're not really business developers at heart so you know some of them get very lucky and i never ever ever undervalue luck <laughs> as part of this process yeah. um, but at the same time what can we do purposefully to build in um, the right team to make this work and the and the founders that i've seen that have been the the best at that mm-hmm. realize that they don't know what they don't know and let's bring smarter people in who can help them with whatever that is and, and then oftentimes that's that's growing you know sales and marketing to be honest yeah it's so important right preparation meets opportunity and having that strong team knowing your strengths knowing your weaknesses so important right and building on those weaknesses with the people um so with regards to you know having a minimal viable product that customers Mm -hmm. want Mm-hmm. How would you describe that in, in the tech space that you're in, you know, yeah, that's, an example? That's, that's a really good point and a really good question. Like minimum, I'm, we are, even we at BDC in terms of what we try to build for, for our clients is really built around agility and, and minimum viable products. Like we, yeah. you know, per- perfection is always the enemy of great. So, you know, you've got to build and test. So that to me is, is, is the most important thing. So again, Get some, you know, is, we can speak of this, the tech space specifically, but I mean, like, when we start talking about minimum viable products, it's always about, you know, what is the value proposition that goes along with it? So what are we building? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, you know, is it tying into some level of technology that is already out there and incumbent? Is it, is it unicorn driven, never seen in the history of the world kind of stuff? We need to understand what that means because both of those angles have implications. But when you start thinking about it, I go back to this very specifically, if we think about an end user, or if we think about a customer, what do they need? What do they want to get out of that process in the sense of how do we get ourselves into the market smartly mm-hmm. with not a finished product, but a product that can add some value? And how do we make that scalable so that if we add features or we add things to it, that becomes a much more um, interesting product for our core customer? And what does that mean? So. To give you some examples, I guess one of the things that I'm, you know, a client that I'm working, you know, right now I'm spending a lot of time with clients in Ontario, so it's an easy ask. But I've got a client who's who's working in the healthcare space, and and they are building a, um, and it's literally a minimum viable product um, to get data out of, you know, let's call them legacy old 
you know, healthcare, um, electronic records management programs into a much more relational data way of using it. And so their goal was eventually to have this, you know, very scalable plug-in style thing that they could, you know, bring to any hospital authority or, you know, private hospital in the United States, for example. Um, but their goal um, was to try to sell it. Now, <laughs> the challenge with selling it is that they're going against some very large, very incumbent technology companies that are, you know, decades ahead of them in terms of, you know, business development, relationships, and all of that. So what they've built is this very MVP style product that will grow and have enhancements over time. But they've built this and it comes in at, I'll say, at least a tenth of the cost of what a, you know, comparable product would be. Um, you know, from one of these larger, you know, competitors. And yeah. so that alone is, is, is raising eyebrows, right? So that was the thing that was getting them in the door, which the fact that, you know what, you can have the same output, the same outcome, business outcome for a 10th of the price. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, if I'm a CFO at a hospital authority, I, I got to listen, <laughs> like I got to listen to the pitch. It may not be what I need, but I'm going to listen to it anyway, because it's a 10th of the cost. Yeah. So, so I, that was kind of their mindset. Cool. And I imagine that they've had some early adopters where they can show some testimonials for their um, product, right? Exactly. Exactly. And now that becomes a key work in progress. So once they get some of these case studies built, so they can do some white papers, they can build that, that track, you know, for, you know, the next client, the next company, now we're talking now we're talking about the way to scale the business right so now you're you're getting that track record and 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 while that's happening you're adding to your mvp right you're going to add functions and features and all the things that your customers are asking for and you just want to make sure that if you have a an mvp model that you have a really quick change request model <laughs> like you really want to be able to pivot and, and and make changes to that platform as the market demands to be quite honest yeah absolutely and, you know, for a company, a startup like this, right, who has a, a mm -hmm. minimum viable product, has early adopters, has testimonials, how important it is, you know, for the entrepreneur to think about, you know, their cash flow, their runway? Oh, for sure. And, and that, especially for these guys, and I'll use them as, as the example, is the fact that, you know, their, their CEO is doing a great job in terms of, he, and he, he goes, going back to my, my technician example, like he's, he's a technician, right? Like that's how he's, he's built this business by being in the business. Yeah. And now he's having to work on the business. And that's a different model for him of which things like cash flow, operating costs, you know, uh, managing staff. Now it's, you know, it's, it's one thing to manage, uh, you know, a bunch of, of, of tech people when you're building a, prod, a product or a project. It's a very different thing to now manage salespeople. <laughs> and there, okay, now how do, we, how do we do that? And so that's not his DNA at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, managing cash flow is, is the, it is the lifeblood of, of a business. And, that, and COVID has taught us that, if, if nothing else. COVID has taught us that, you know, cash is king or queen. It is what, whatever, whatever is considered to be um, part of your operational model has to have some management of cash flow. And what we've also seen specifically, and I, I think this is, this is going to be a change in the nature of how cash is managed in a business long-term. Nobody wants to see um, another wave of COVID or another lockdown or another you know, pandemic in three, five, 10, 20 years. But entrepreneurs are now going to see that. And what happened in 2020 is being a bit of a wake up call to say, hey, we don't want to not have our cash flow work for us, but we cannot be collectively caught with our hands, you know, but tied behind our backs because we didn't put enough cash aside to have some runway for the business, whether you're a startup or a mature business. So, like, that is a very interesting future state for a lot of companies, you know, when, you know, CFOs are saying, you know, we can't have too much cash in the business because it's not profitable and productive, but then a pandemic hits and what happened to all that cash? Well, you know, it's in other things now and how do we manage and, and, and maintain some level of functional operations in a world where the doors are closed? Yeah. 
Like that's a very interesting future state of business. I absolutely um, agree with that. Like, you know, being able to know when you need that cash injection and yep. you know, when you need that money just to maintain a certain level of, of where you are um, in the company, that's so important. You touched well, on Go I was going to say, Irina, like one of the things that's challenging with that is, is, is the credit market now, because again, you know, one of the things that, that we face certainly at BDC is, you know, like there's, there's challenges, you know, as, as things like this pandemic continue to unfold, like, you know, the, the credit markets become tighter. And, you know, even if you have some cash that has, you know, to your point, that has a runway to it, but what else, like what, you know, like, do we have access to already, already access to a line of credit that we can just tap into just to make sure that we do keep it, you know, employees paid or the lights on. These are all, you know, they were always challenges for entrepreneurs from day one, but it's now it, it's exposed that as the, the the risk that's associated with things like this. Not that we ever want to see COVID nineteen or something like it come back. Yeah, and of course there there are many different ways to you know get cash injections, whether that be through loans, grants, um, mm -hmm. through the bank, or through um, family and friends, or or VCs as well, right? Yep. Absolutely. Now you touched on something earlier, the technician who yeah. built that technology, that minimum viable product, and you know, relating now to the sales folks and managing the sales folks, how does that technician get everybody, you know, in line to communicate and promote that product um, the same? Well, right. not, the sa not the same, but, you know, having that clear understanding um, in order to make that sale. Yeah, uh, I I'm seeing it right now with lots of these, these technical people um, who become the faces of the business, which is not surprising at all. And suddenly they're not only the face of the business, they're the business developer. And, you know, as long as they can manage their time and their work, like sometimes that works out just fine but there's always that stage in the business um where that scalability hits a ceiling meaning they can't be the 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 the, the chief technology officer and the chief revenue officer at the same time and it becomes it becomes challenging for them to be able to um one translate that to a team of professionals who have to go out and do that business development so do they understand the real nuts and bolts of the product and the and, and the solution uh, or the service, whatever that looks like. Do they do they have the plan to go out and find those folks? And do they have the process to bring that revenue into the business? And each one of those things has its own set of challenges for sure. But that's where that's where we see a lot of companies who don't prepare well for that. That's where the the, the the herky jerky nature of revenue coming into the business becomes challenging right so if we have goals to be a 10 million dollar a year company in three years that's amazing that's not going to come on the back of the cto ceo cro as part of that process how do we make sure that that works and helping them become comfortable i guess comfortable is the word yeah. with un unclenching from some of that so they can let some of those fine development business development people do their work it's challenging. Not every, not every entrepreneur can do that easily. And it's that it's the ones that can really, you know, that don't knows, you know, don't know what we don't know models that can really say, okay, I need to, I need to unclench. I need to let these people try some things. I need to help them have a process to do it smartly. And then we need to measure, 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 measure. It's not about KPIs for the sake of KPIs, but how do the KPIs help us lead to revenue? What does that look like? So it's a very, it's, it's a very mixed bag that we'll deal with in terms of, you know, some entrepreneurs are very good at that, you know, you know, distribution of, of, of effort and wealth. And then some are very, you know, not able to, you know, un, unleash them, <laughs> un, unclench from the business and, and, and begin to let someone else take control of some of those things. Cause it's, it's their baby and, you know, fair enough. But at the end of the day, that, that can be an impediment to growth and scaling. That's, that's totally understandable. You know, as you said, it's, it's their baby and it's hard. And that's where getting a team that you trust, that you know mm -hmm. who is smarter than you and who are open 
right? To to yep. to being part of the culture of the type of company that one envisions is so critical, right? Yep. The corporate culture of that startup, that company, um, will determine also, you know, the way they they move to attract and scale their business. Absolutely agree with that. And I think it's that culture that really helps lend success into that. Are they are they building are they building a platform for the entrepreneur or are they building a business? And that's like that those are two very different paths. <laughs> because sometimes the entrepreneur, you know, uh, let's let's call it what it is, sometimes the ego can can drive a lot of what they do and and does that ultimately get in the way of growth and or do we squeeze the baby so tight that we don't let it go out into the world and grow up and like that these are these are challenges those are maybe not the best analogies but those are challenges that entrepreneurs <laughs> totally face. these are all great questions i love it yeah, they Chris. are <laughs> yeah yeah and listeners you entrepreneurs who are listening to this definitely something to think about that's for sure <laughs> Now let's get into, you know, how would you differentiate, you know, a sales approach versus a marketing approach, you know, to customer acquisition? That's a really, that's a really good question. And and I think, you know, going back to our, our, our startup entrepreneurs, there's a, there's a life cycle that comes with this and, and it's really about, again, maturing a business. And so I, am always of, of the mind. I, I, I work with lots of companies, uh, let's call them more mature companies, but I look at lots of companies, um, that are, are really have forsaken, you know, marketing for sales because they a may not understand the function of marketing, how it works. It all seems like magic beans and, you know, smoke and mirrors, um, versus, you know, sitting in front of a client, sitting down, having a conversation, doing a quote, getting a contract, blah, 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 blah. There we go. That's a sale. Um, and, and what, what we're seeing now, especially in this environment of COVID. So the trade show space is gone. Let's be clear. Yeah. So anything that was ever done at a trade show in terms of handshake deals or business or, you know, cocktail hours or whatever, that is not coming back in 2021, most likely, maybe 2022. So there's, there's a whole path, a channel that a lot of, you know, let's call them more mature businesses, even startups um, are, are, can't avail themselves of now. So that's gone. And, you know, we're all living it right now, trying to do things on Zoom and virtual meetings and all those kind of things. And now we have, you know, sales and business development folks who are trying to virtually sell, who have no idea how to do that at all because it's not their DNA. It's not what they yeah. do. Yeah. You know, it's, they're much more comfortable being in your business, having a great chat with Irenia and having a coffee and da, 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 And the next thing you know, a deal gets done versus <laughs> trying to figure this out from a, from a virtual perspective. And so what has happened by default is that this digital lead generation virtual sales model has been thrust upon everybody to be honest and some are getting really good at it and some are very bad at it and it is really about understanding the role of what marketing is intending to do for the business and what is sales intending to do for the business and how do we you know in our own little way pivot both of those to make that work and so marketing and sales, in my opinion, need to be joined at the hip. There's not one or the other, it's both. It's just what functional end do each of those two things happen. And so if you're a small business and you're trying to grow and you've got, you know, you've, you've taken the decision to hire salespeople, well, kudos to you, but what are they going to do? Like literally, practically, what are they going to do to drum up new business? They can't get in the car and drive to a territory. They can't hop on a plane and fly to a big fish client. Like, what are they going to do? And a lot of that is going to be driven by how can we present ourselves to an audience smartly? And how do we do that in a way that doesn't um, put that audience off when, they, when it comes time to hear our value proposition, our pitch, our whatever? So these are the things that I'm dealing with, you know, very specifically right now in terms of, and I, and I will use the idea of the, the more mature companies, but it's not exclusive to them, 
as to how do they do some of this digital lead generation through marketing, you know, building, building an audience, doing paid media, whatever that means, with the end goal of getting somebody to sit down with them on a Zoom call and talk about whatever they do. And that is, that is, for some companies, that's a walk in the park. And for some companies, that is like climbing Mount Everest with 50 pounds on your back. So it's, it's a very mixed bag, but it's certainly what we see as the future state of sales is to understand what marketing does to open the funnel and what you can do as, as a, a sales or a business developer to close. It. All right, listeners, that's a major golden nugget. So you definitely want to bookmark this and press rewind <laughs> because what, seriously, Chris, this is awesome. You know, what you have said there in terms of tying that marketing to the sales, building that sales funnel is so important and you get that through marketing those products and services, right? Yep. And um, my goodness, you know, some of the mature companies, some of them are quite agile, whereas others may be struggling to make that epic pivot right now mm -hmm. in the digital space. And um, it's, it's, it's really cool that, you know, with your clientele, you, you're getting them to think about that. Yeah, and, and, and let's be very clear, and I want to be very fair to all of these companies that are out there, like everybody, and, and you know, we'll, we'll throw ourselves on top of that as BDC, everybody is, is trying to make this work, right? This is not normal business. Now there's, there's, you know, we'll use the tech space as an example. I mean, there's lots of business that's done over Zoom, so nobody, nobody would ever say that that's not a, a, this is not a viable approach or a viable channel, but getting good at this and getting good at it quickly, that's a different conversation. And so... That's what we're we're certainly seeing and dealing with a lot of companies who are trying to navigate all of this. And oh, by the way, trying to make sure that their tech stack that kind of comes along with it, whether that's a CRM or some level of digital marketing dashboarding or, you know, HubSpot or whatever they're using to try to make all of this stuff work, there's a learning curve that's going along with it. So to, to say that that is challenging is is an understatement. Like all of this is trying to figure this out in the most efficient and effective way possible. And, you know, what works for one company won't work for the next. But again, how do we reverse engineer our customer in all of this? What do they want? How do they want to be? All right. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. You know, love the big nuggets that you're dropping, you know, on my listeners here right now. <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm adding a little value here. That's, let's call it that. You know what? I would say you are one smart guy, okay? You you dropped a lot of <laughs> big thinking questions for, for us to all think about. I'll take know? it. I'll take it. Sounds great. <laughs> so what advice do you have for companies who, who are really, you know, struggling to make that epic pivot into the digital space right now? Yeah. And, and that's a very, that's a very common scenario. And so I, I think, you know, the, the, the challenge that all of these companies and entrepreneurs face is the, the, the learning curve that comes with a lot of this. And, you know, there, there tends to be companies that are digitally native in the sense of they've, they've built themselves around the technologies and those that are trying to transition into that, um, the, the, the learning curve becomes the obstacle. So, you know, I always recommend to entrepreneurs, I don't, I don't need my entrepreneurs to become PhDs in marketing. Like that's not, that's not the intended goal, but I certainly want them to be um, uh, curious and I want them to, to, to know enough to be dangerous, to be honest, in the sense of, you know, there's a lot of our clients that will, you know, outsource, you know, some level of marketing function to an agency or a third party or, or, or whatever. And, and a lot of that is a very practical necessary decision but the gap becomes you know when that work is done by that agency or third party that there really is no synthesis of that information data success failure back into the business because the the team or the entrepreneur does not know how to critically analyze it and that's a gap and so you know i'm <clears throat> i'm not certainly professing to have you know all my you know small business companies go out and hire a full-time marketing person tomorrow but if they do have somebody that they need to engage or bring into the business that is going to do that function, well, gosh, wouldn't it be great if you could actually, you know, critically analyze the work that they're doing, understand the data, 
I have lots of you know entrepreneurs who are getting their Google Analytics reports into them at the end of the month, and it just goes filed to the back of the you know the virtual filing cabinet and never gets looked at. And you know how how do you make good decisions on how these channels and tools and things are working if you're not really invested in the data? So there's you know I <laughs> I'll literally get them to like just go on YouTube and let's just do a little YouTube tutorial on how some of this stuff works again. You don't have to go to university courses and start taking some of these things, but gosh, wouldn't it be great if you just knew how some of this stuff works? Take that smoke and mirrors model away. It's not smoke and mirrors. It's just data. And the data tells you a good story, an okay story, or a bad story. Do you know how to qualify any one of those? Most times they don't. And that is a complete blind spot for a lot of companies. And so when you're moving into digital, gosh, wouldn't it be a good idea to move that level of information along with it? And now you're able to disseminate. Now you're able to challenge. Now you're able to high five or fire if necessary, based upon, you know, understanding what that information tells you. So that is to me, that learning curve is something that every entrepreneur has to tackle at their own size, at their own pace. But it is, it, you know, if you really want to start opening up that top of the funnel and you want to use digital to do it, and I think that's a very, very smart, strong idea, gosh, you know, don't go into it. You know, I always, you know, I, I don't like the analogy, but it's, you never want to bring a knife to a gunfight. Like that is a bad idea. So like, like just start to learn. Wow. You touched on something really big, data analytics. So mm -hmm. important right now. Um, as you said, being able to analyze that. Uh, so do you have some tools um, at your organization that companies can start up with, whether it's yeah. an article or a video? Yeah. Well, that's a that's a really good point. So yeah, so you know, we we tend to drink our own Kool-Aid here <laughs> as much as we can. So I would highly recommend anybody, any one of your listeners, to go to um, to the BDC um, uh, website, the BDC blog. So it's literally you know www.bdc.ca/blog. That easy. Um, and we, we dig into a lot of that in our, in our own thought leadership value add content. Like that's a very, a very good, you know, initial course of action for ju just to get an idea of some things to think about, because there are some technical things that we would love every entrepreneur to consider. Get that Google analytics on your website and start understanding how that works. If you have a Facebook page or, you know, anything along those lines, get into the insights, really understand it. If you send you know, MailChimp emails, like understand your open rates, your, you know, all of these things have value once you start understanding the implications of what the data will tell you. And it's just about really digging into that. And if you can, you know, if you need to hire somebody into the business who can help be that translator, great. That's a completely reasonable, if you can afford it, amazing. Totally do that. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to have some control over what that story, what that narrative that's being told to you is all about. And so the, 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 the really successful top line revenue driven entrepreneurs that I work with have that curiosity. They may not be experts, but they 100% have that curiosity. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for that. That's, that's a big golden nugget. And listeners, if you want to continue this conversation with Chris, we will be sharing his contact information in the show notes so that you can connect with him as well. Love it. And yeah. So I think it's time that we segue into the personal side of things. Let's get sure. into rapid fire <laughs> questions. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, because this part, I mean, you just touched the surface of things, right? Many questions for companies mm -hmm. to think about. So definitely, you know, listeners, you need to do your research. You need to connect with, you know, industry experts like Chris, who are, you know, providing that sort of expertise and advice and connections, you know, to really propel you to be successful in this new supernormal. So back to you, Chris. Yes. So right now, you've been working remotely since March. So what, yes. what helps you to put a pep in your step and a pride in your <laughs> stride in the morning? 
can, can I say lots and lots and lots of coffee? Can I say, can I start there? Let's, let's start with that. Um, Absolutely. This, <laughs> this would have been a very different pandemic if I had not ac ready access to coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the routine of it, I think, and everybody is facing some version variants of this in their own worlds and their own lives, but the routine of it has become very um, comfortable for me in the sense of, uh, you know, I get up, um, you know, I, I have breakfast with my family, uh, I, you know, I'm looking at emails, I try to do some level of physical activity in the morning if I can, that's not always possible, but I try. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that, that, you know, that, that venti venti, uh, cup of coffee and, and let's get into it. And, uh, so I think, you know, building that, that path and routine. And I must say, I know, you know, some of my colleagues, some of my friends who are just at the end of the day after one too many zoom calls are just like, they are completely, uh, exhausted. And I'm, I'm not that way. I find, I find this process and, and I've been very comfortable if I may say that. Uh, in terms of, you know, working remotely. Um, I, I don't know that, that I, you know, I, I want to be, you know, careful about this, but like, I, I don't know that I need an office, you know, I can do my job remotely and, it, and it's a, it's a comfortable activity at the, at the same time, if, you know, if my employer said tomorrow, you have to go back to the office, I'd be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do that. But, you know, I will say one thing about the BDC and, and this is, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a super fan of what we do in a, in a myriad of ways. But one of the things that the BDC has been very um, careful and cautious about is the health of their employees. And um, to, to, a, to a conservative point, and that has been very well received from me. Um, and so I'm very happy to have an employer that is looking out, you know, for my health and my best interests first, and everything that I do to help clients um, is just a function of that. That just becomes how this how this all comes together and so you know all of these things will be part of uh how how work changes in 2021 and beyond for sure that's absolutely chris and it's as it should be right yep yep so music we all know that change our vibes our vibration what's your last song on repeat <laughs> that's a good one uh, you know what i have uh, you know uh, the, the pandemic has opened my ears to so much new music that i have never thought about i've got sirius xm in the car i've got spotify <laughs> on my laptop so yeah. i'm listening to like anything and everything that i can get my my ears on um mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of canadian indie music has really um, I, I'm, I'm digging it. It's been, it's been fantastic. And so you know, I'm a 40, I'm a 40 something, so I'm not a kid, yes. uh, but these, these kids and their music, man, it's just some good stuff that's being produced these days. So, yeah. uh, it's a, it's, it's been a very interesting, you know, period. Um, you know, my, my theme song, if I want to call it a theme song coming yes. in 2021 is, is I'm taking it, I'm taking it old school. I'm going back to here comes the sun by the Beatles. Um, oh, awesome. it, I, you know, with everything that's been happening south of the border, with everything that's happening with the pandemic, you know what? I need a little George Harrison. Like, that's just what I need right now. So uh, that's been my, <laughs> I was, I was, I'll call it my theme song for, for 2021. That's absolutely fantastic, Chris. I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know, our conversation. That's awesome. I'm glad. Yeah, Very glad. It, it's been great. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to have you on sometime again because I think sure. that we've barely scratched the surface when it <laughs> comes to sales and marketing approaches uh, in the digital world. Oh, yes, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And um, so if there is any last words of wisdom for our listeners, whether that be aspiring entrepreneurs, new startup, mature companies who are going through their epic pivots right now, what would it be? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. That's a tough one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my, my statement to every, every small business, every entrepreneur is, is keep fighting the good fight. You know, you're doing everything you can. We all know it, you know, no one, no entrepreneur that I've ever came in contact with or, or talked to is sitting on their hands waiting for the world to be saved. Like they are out there, they're trying, they're pivoting, they're thinking about their businesses continually. Um, 
you know, to be very frank, take care of yourselves. This is this is a very stressful time. And, you know, the, the, the health and wellness of these business owners needs to be talked about. It needs to be at the forefront. Um, this is not an easy time for anybody, employees, entrepreneurs, business owners, like all of these folks are, are really doing their utmost to try to keep the, the engine of the Canadian economy moving forward. And we have nothing but the utmost of respect uh, for what's happening, but take care of yourselves. It is so important. No one can succeed unless you're taking care of yourselves. So start there and hopefully good things come from that. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you, Chris, so much for being an My awesome absolute guest. Pleasure. <laughs> this was great. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking me uh, under your wing here, Irene. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I appreciate you taking the time out, you know. I wish you the best in our new supernormal, uh, you know, health and safety in Halifax. Absolutely. And, you as well. Um, <laughs> so, um, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's your what's your handle on LinkedIn? Oh, great! Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm Chris O'Shea on on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty easy to find, especially here in Canada, uh, in terms of connecting on LinkedIn. And I, and I I'm open to to LinkedIn connections. I think that's something that is 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 very valuable. Um, you know, uh, the the only caveat to that is you know. If we connect on LinkedIn, don't pitch me right out of the gate. <laughs> I'm not going to buy something right away. That's not how this works. Uh, so that's my only caveat. Um, I, everywhere else, I'm I'm virtually unfussy wine at unfussy wine uh, on Twitter. That's my that's, you know side hustle if we want to call it. It's a very very small side hustle in terms of having a bit of a wine blog. Uh, my wife and I are our onophiles and so we spend time uh, sampling wine on a on a fairly regular basis. We have a little guy now, so that's been hard to do, especially in the pandemic. But uh, so, but yeah, add on Fussy Wine, you'll find me on Twitter, you'll find me on uh, Instagram, things along those lines. But uh, yeah, happy to connect with anybody. Open invitation. All right, that's awesome, Chris. We did not even touch your side hustle yet. I know, that's okay. definitely want to have you back on. It, it's such a small side hustle. I can't stress that enough to you, Irene. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on that for sure. All right. Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Really, really happy to be here. To you, my listeners, let me know what you think of uh, our conversation here, Chris and I. How did this move you into action in your entrepreneurial journey? Feel free to DM me on Instagram at the Canadian side hustle business with your thoughts. Until next time, I hope you find your new vibe.